good morning. So glad that all of you are here. And before we jump into finishing out our series called Pray First today, I do want to look on the other side of that screen and say a big welcome to all the men and women that are joining us from the jail campus, from CCNO, or one of the prison fellowship campuses, or at Belize Central Prison. Come on, church. Welcome our church family. We love you. We believe in you. Proud of you. Well, I do get to finish out this series we've been in called Pray First. It's been an amazing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I've got good news and I've got bad news. So the good news is today is day 21. Come on. The bad news is Friday was my birthday. I turned 30 again. And I cheated on the fast, and now we have to start all over. So really, it's day one. Day one today. No, it's been an amazing 21 days, and we're excited to see what God's going to continue to do. In fact, you know, 21 days of prayer and fasting, it comes from the book of Daniel. Uh, and I, I, it's not what I'm preaching about, so I, I can't take this moment to teach it, but you could read it. But it is interesting because in Daniel, he gets to the end of 21 days. He's been fasting and praying. He needs a word from the Lord. He needs help. He's got this vision he doesn't know what to do with. And, and so he's been praying for 21 days. Finally, on day 24, the Bible tells us an angel comes to him and says, Daniel, I heard you on day one. I've just been delayed because I've been fighting some spiritual battles to get to you. There were some battles you didn't know were happening in the heavenlies that we are winning, by the way. But I had to fight them so that I could get to you and tell you that I heard you. God heard your prayer on day one. And so don't be discouraged. I don't know what you were asking the Lord for through this 21 days. But just know God heard your prayer. And there may be some spiritual battles that are being fought right now, but you will get your answer that you were looking for from the Lord. And so today we get to finish out this Pray First, and the title of today's message is this, Pray First, Then Decide. Pray First, Then Decide. I just want to survey those maybe online or those in the room. I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you've ever had to make a decision in life. You had a decision. You had to, who will you marry? Will you buy the house? What school will you go to? Should you date them? Should you not? Should you be their friend? Should you not? Should you buy the car? Should you not? Should you root for the chiefs? Should you not? You had to make a decision, right? We've all, all of us will and have and will continue to have to make decisions. Now, I, I, another survey, I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you've ever made a decision that became a problem. Don't point at them, just raise your hand. Right, or maybe you made a decision and, or you had this decision and it forced you to pray desperately. Final question to set us up for today. Here's my question to us. Which side of the decision did you start praying on? You had a decision to make. Which side of the decision did you start praying on? Because what I want you to know is there's a right side of the decision that we should be praying on. We should pray first, then decide. And I think that I was thinking about that this week, that what's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever when it comes to decision making? That just means a follower of Jesus and somebody that's not following Jesus. Because we can all write out the pros and cons. We can all get uh, consultation from experts. We can, we can seek out information. We can all do that. 
There's only one difference. And that is as believers, we have access to divine direction. We can ask God. And he could show us things we wouldn't otherwise know when it comes to making decisions. In fact, let me prove it to you in scripture. James chapter 1 verse 5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to him. Pray first, then decide. Psalms chapter 32 verse 8 says this. I will instruct you, says the Lord, and I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. God's going, if you'll just ask me, I'll show you what decision you need to make. I'll help you. I'll walk with you. I'll guide you. I'll advise you. The Bible's really clear, clear that we should pray first, then decide. But if you're anything like me, too often I find myself praying on the wrong side of the decision. Somehow I find it in me to make the decision and then have to start praying because my decision quickly becomes a problem. In fact, I want to show you in Scripture someone else who knew all too well what it looks like to be praying on the wrong side of the decision, and it's Joshua. Now, I want to show you in the Bible, and we're going to read a big chunk of passage in Joshua chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, you can open it or turn to it in your phone in case you want to highlight some things. I think some things are going to stand out to you. It will be on the screen, but let me tell you what's happening. By the time we get to Joshua 9, what you need to know is Joshua had succeeded Moses. He took over for Moses. And he's been given the task, the charge, to take God's people into the promised land. They're about to go to a good place that God has for them. And Joshua's been giving strict instructions that, A, part of his job is to inquire of the Lord and to talk to God and find out the direction they're supposed to go. But also God has told Joshua, whatever you do, when you go into the promised land, I want you to occupy the land. That means you're going to have to defeat the kings and the nations that are already there. You're going to have to battle them. Don't worry. I'll be with you. You'll win the battle. But make sure that you don't sign a covenant with any of those nations. Don't sign a peace treaty. Don't make friends with them. Or it will turn out to be a big problem for you, Joshua. And so then by the time we get to Joshua 9, we've watched as Joshua has fought Jericho. Many of you will know that story well. And God has given, given victory to Joshua. They take over Jericho. And then we watch as Joshua in chapters 7 and 8, he fights Ai. And they end up having victory over Ai. Then we get to chapter 9. And I want you to see what happens. Joshua chapter 9 verse 1. When the kings of the surrounding area heard what had happened to Jericho... They quickly combined their armies to fight for their lives against Joshua and the Israelis. Pause just a minute. I find this interesting and what I want you to know is anytime you're getting victory in your life, you should expect opposition. And it's not because you're doing something wrong. It's probably because you're doing something right. Anytime you're getting victories in your life, you better believe the enemy is going to oppose that. He's not going to run. He's not going to hide. He's not going to give up. He's probably going to do what he did right here in Joshua 9.1. He's now going to start combining his strategies. He's going to rally and gather more opposition to come against. And that is exactly what happens to Joshua. And it goes on. It says, these were the kings of the nations west of the Jordan River, along the shores of the Mediterranean, as far north as the Lebanon Mountains. The Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But when the people of Gibeon heard what had happened to Jericho and Ai, 
they resorted to trickery to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua wearing worn-out clothing, as though from a long journey, with patched shoes, weather-worn saddlebags on their donkeys, old patched wineskins, and dry, moldy bread. And when they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a far, far, far distant land, and we've come to ask for a peace treaty with you. Verse 7. The Israelis replied to the Hivites, well, how do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we can make a treaty with you, they replied. the, The Gibeonites replied, we will be your slaves. But who are you, Joshua demanded, and where do you come from? You can sense that they know something's up. Sometimes you just gotta trust your instinct on some things. If you're discerning something, you should lean into that. And they're discerning something, but look, And they told them, we're from a very distant country. We've heard of the might of the Lord your God and all that he did in Egypt and what he did to the two kings of the Amorites. And then they go on in verse 11, and it says, So our elders and our people instructed us, prepare for a long journey. Go to the people of Israel and declare our nation to be their servants and ask for peace. You see, this bread was hot from the ovens when we left. But now, as you see, it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new, but now they're old and cracked. Our clothing and our shoes have become worn out from our long, hard trip. Now, up to this point, there's not, there's not a problem. Yes, they're being lied to. Yes, they're being tricked. But at this point, a decision has not been made. But watch what happens. Joshua chapter 9, verses 14 through 15 say this. Joshua and the other leaders finally believed them, and this is where it happens. Listen, they did not bother to ask the Lord. Let it rest. They didn't even bother to ask the Lord. But they went ahead, and they signed a peace treaty, and the leaders of Israel ratified the agreement with a binding oath. And Joshua was soon going to realize that he was going to be praying on the wrong side of the decision. You see, Joshua's whole job as the leader of the Israelites was to ask the Lord. And we know he was because he, he battled Jericho and he battled Ai and he had been in the presence of God. And now we get to this story in Joshua 9 and suddenly he loses his mind. And I think it's interesting because too many times you and I can find ourselves praying on the wrong side of the problem, the wrong side of the decision. And I just want to show us a couple things that, I, that we can learn from Joshua in this passage. The first one is this, number one, praying before you decide can prevent problems. I don't know if you know this, but I hope I impart it to you today. I hope you get it deep down on the inside of you of realizing prayer can prevent your problems before you have them. You see, Joshua was about to fight some battles and deal with some problems that he was never intended to deal with. All because he didn't bother to ask the Lord. He made a decision and now he's going to find himself praying on the wrong side of the decision. Pray first. Then decide. Why? Because your prayers can prevent problems from ever getting to you. 
Even this week, I was asking God, I was, I was asking, give me some examples of some problems that I never faced because I prayed first. Y'all want to share them with everybody. And I could not come up with them. And then it suddenly dawned on me, oh, yeah, because I never faced them. I don't even know what they were. They never made it to my life. Who wants that? You know what? Let me let my prayers prevent problems from ever making it to my life. Now, what I'm not saying is that you and I won't face problems. You will. Jesus promised it. You're going to face trials. We're going to face problems. We're going to face situations in our life. But let it not be because I didn't pray first before I decided. Let it not be because I decided to just make a decision without ever bothering to ask the Lord. And so here we learn from Joshua that we could pray before we decide and see that there could be some problems prevented in our life. I started to think about that and I thought, well, here's Joshua. We know he was a praying man. He prayed before Jericho and God gave him a supernatural strategy. There's no way that Joshua would have known to march around a city so many times to blow the horns, give a shout, and that the walls would come down. No man, in, in, no army leader would come up with that kind of strategy to defeat and take over a nation. But yet he prayed, he asked God, and he had a supernatural plan for this natural battle he was going to face. And then they get to, we get to 7 and 8. In Joshua 7 and 8, they're battling Ai. And you watch what happens. They're not winning. It's not going well. And so Joshua's inquiring of the Lord. And God tells Joshua, the reason you have no victory is because there's sin in the camp. It's a word for somebody. You're wondering why you don't have victory. And the word of the Lord today is because there's sin in the camp. And then he says, get the sin out of the camp and you'll see victory. And so he tells him, somebody, praise the Lord, he tells him somebody needs to get that sin out and you're going to see victory. And so Joshua had insight because he had asked God. And they get it out and sure enough, they have victory over Ai. Then we get to Joshua 9. Joshua, why? What happened, bro? I say that to Kyle so many times. <laughs> and I saw a few things in the passage. And I think we fall for him too. And I just want to share them with us today of what I saw in the passage. Because I think if we're aware of them, we won't continue to keep moving past inquiring of God and just making decisions on our own. And we're going to see some problems prevented if we could slow down just enough to ask God before we decide. And so let me show you what could prevent. What do I think prevented Joshua? What's preventing you? Why aren't we asking God? A few different things. Here's the first one. I don't think we ask God when the pressure is on. You, have you ever been facing a decision and the pressure's on? <laughs> it's like, I got to decide and I got to decide now. Maybe it's the house that's on the market and it's your dream house and you want to buy it. And the realtor tells you, this is going to be gone by tomorrow. And so you just know the pressure's on and you just make the decision. Maybe it's the person you're wondering, am I supposed to marry them? And they tell you, I need to know by tomorrow. <laughs> that's what I told Kyle. I go, listen, I, you got till tomorrow to marry me and I'm gone. And, he, and I said, you don't need to pray about it. I've already prayed for you. <laughs> and the marriage has gone just like that since. 
<laughs> he prayed on the wrong side of that decision. But when the pressure is on, I just need you to know you usually make bad decisions. And here's what else you need to know. Anytime there's outside pressure on you from other people, from things around you, it's usually not for your benefit, it's for theirs. It's because they have something to lose. You and I have to stop making decisions under pressure. Because under pressure, we continue to not bother asking the Lord. Be careful about making decisions when pressure is on. And the truth was, look at Joshua chapter 9 verse 1. The pressure was on Joshua. Because here's what happens. It says, when the kings of the surrounding area heard what had happened to Jericho, they quickly combined their armies to fight for their lives against Joshua and the Israelis. You see, what was happening is up to this point, Joshua was only having to battle one nation at a time. And that seemed doable. And so he's battling one nation at a time. Suddenly he gets word and he knows that now the nations are gathering together. They're now forming their armies together. They're making alliances. He's not going to be battling one nation at a time. The pressure is on. He's got multiple kings and nations that are going to rally together and come against Israel. And the pressure's on. And so he makes a decision. The second thing I saw in the passage of they could keep us from asking God for divine direction in our situation is this. It seems like a good thing. Can we be honest? It seems like this is a good thing. In fact, look at it, Joshua chapter 9, verse 11. It says this, so our elders and our people instructed us, and the Gibeonites are telling Joshua this, prepare for a long journey. Go to the people of Israel and declare our nation to be their servants and ask for peace. Everybody around Joshua wants to kill him. <laughs> Every nation around wants to keep their land and kick the Israelis out. Suddenly, a nation comes to Joshua and says, we want to be your servants. We will serve your armies. We will make dinner for you. We will take care of helping with the weapons. We'll combine our people with yours and we'll have an even larger army. We will help you out. We will be your slaves. We will be your servants. And we'll declare peace together. We'll never battle each other. At least, Joshua, you have one nation that will give you peace. <laughs> it seemed like a good thing in the moment. I was thinking about my own life because I've made many decisions based off the fact it seemed like a good thing. Only to realize there's a difference between a good thing and a God thing. They are not the same. There's a lot of things that will seem like the good thing. Doesn't mean it's a, God's, a God thing. It doesn't mean God's hand is on it. And, and early on in my walk with God, I, I had a habit of praying on the wrong side of decisions. And I especially, I wanted to serve others. I wanted to do right. I wanted to be kind and give back. And so I constantly found myself doing good things that God didn't intend for me to do. And one example was I remember, this is years ago, and I had a family, a very close person in my life come to me 
and they were down and out, and they needed to get back on their feet, and I was looking for somebody to help and bless. And, and the truth was, they said to me, hey, here's my situation, I'm down and out, if I could just buy this piece of equipment, it'll help me get my business back up. I'll be able to provide for my family, it'll be, this is all I need is this piece of equipment, the only problem is I have terrible credit and I can't get the loan I need for this piece of equipment. So you probably know the proposal. So the proposal was, you have good credit. <laughs> you can get this. Can you help me out? But you're not going to have to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. I'll foot the bill. I just need your name. I just need you to sign this little covenant. Now here's the thing. Seemed like a good thing. They're going to pay for it. They just need my name, my signature. And I did not bother to ask the Lord. And that one decision would become a problem. I would spend the next few years having to manage something, a problem I was never supposed to manage. I would lose thousands of dollars. I would have tension in a situation that I never would have had to go through if I would have just prayed first. Because you see, if I would have prayed first, God would have led me to all the verses in Proverbs that say, if you're going to sign a loan, if you're going to do something like that and be a co-signer, be ready to just give it away free and clear. You may be footing the bill. And it's okay to do that as long as you want to foot the bill. I was not ready and prepared to do that. The Lord would have told me, no. Guess what? If Joshua would have asked the Lord, should we sign this treaty? You know what God would have said? No. No. But it seemed like a good thing. Here's the next thing I noticed, and it was this. What will prevent you from asking the Lord is you think you have all the information. Anybody? Like, I've wrote out the pros and cons. I've seen the facts. I've talked to the experts. I've got all the information I need to make this decision. And here's Joshua, Joshua chapter 9, verse 12. They're telling him, hey, look, here's the information you need. The bread was hot and now it's cold. It's got mold on it. It's, and then it goes on, verse 13, and these wineskins were new, but now they're old and cracked. And our clothing, see our clothing? They've become worn out from our long, hard trip. And the truth was Joshua thought he had all the information, and he didn't. I was reflecting on my own decision-making life, and somewhere along the way in my walk with Jesus, I've learned this principle that I just, I am begging you to get a hold of today, and that is pray first, then decide, because it'll prevent problems. Somewhere along the way, I finally started to get it. And just a couple years ago, Kyle and I had found this piece of property and um, this land that was for sale in town. And my dream has always been to live out on some acreage in the middle of the woods where none of you can find me. (laughs) Especially my children. I don't know why, I've just always, and so this piece of property came up and it was perfect. Like, it, it seemed like a good thing. And how many of you know the pressure was on, like, This is going to sell by tomorrow. you got to make this decision. And I just remember we started to go on the process. We had everything was falling into place. We had what we needed. It seemed like a good thing. We weren't going to be able to build for a very long time, but at least we're investing in something that for our future. And we just were really excited about it. But we've learned this principle. Pray first. Then decide. And as we're going through the process, 
our prayer was, God, we want your will. Yes, our hearts desire this, but not more than what we desire of staying in step with you. We know your will is better. And if this isn't you, God, shut the door completely. If this isn't you, God, if we're missing any information in this decision, would you show it to us? Holy Spirit, reveal anything that might be hidden that we don't know that could cause a problem later. And sure enough, as we're praying this prayer and we're moving along feeling like this is the right decision, suddenly within two days of praying this, we got a call from the realtor. And in her exact words were, there's been some information that's come up. And, and nobody was being deceitful, but what they found was there was some paperwork that was hidden that basically said the city had rights to build a road on that piece of land. <laughs> Listen, me and the city are not sharing land. <laughs> and here's what we learned. It could be solved, but it would probably have cost thousands of dollars and attorneys and problems. Can you imagine if we did not bother to ask the Lord? We knew God was shutting that door. We didn't have the time and the energy to do it, go through that whole process. And we were good with it. And you know what we did? We praised the Lord. God, we weren't mad that God took the land from us. We were going, God, we've lived long enough and walked with you enough to know if it's not for us, we don't want it. We don't want problems in our life that we were never meant to fight and never meant to navigate in Jesus' name. We were grateful. Be careful when you think you have all the information. Pray first. Then decide. Here's the next one that we see with Joshua. And it's this. You've experienced past success. I mean, the last time you made a decision like that, it worked out good. The last time you started a business like that, it worked out great. The last time you made that choice, you had success. And we have to be so careful because in Joshua's case, he had had success up to this point. He's defeating these nations. He's fighting battles and winning them supernaturally. And somewhere along the way, I can't help but wonder when we get to Joshua 9, was Joshua starting to trust himself more while trusting God less? Be so careful about trusting your own judgment. When you can say about yourself, I've got great instincts. I've got great intuition. I've got discernment. That all may be true, but just listen to me. Pray first. Then decide. Don't be ruled and reigned by the successes you've had in your past. Just because something worked in the past doesn't mean it's going to work again. It doesn't mean God's blessings on it now. Even for us as we go, as we follow the Lord's leading on where we're going to plant next campuses and churches to bring more life-giving gospel to the cities and nations around us. We don't just go plant churches because this one's been successful. We ask God first. We are bothering to ask the Lord before we make any decisions. And it's going to prevent a lot of problems that we were never meant to face or fight. Final one is this. When it comes to what could hold us back from asking God before we make decisions. And it's this one. You know what God might say. <laughs> Can we be real? You know. You know what he would say about it. You know what his word says about it. You know. But can we be honest? We want what we want. 
We hear what we want to hear. So much so that as Christians, we can get the confirmations that we want to get to support the decision that we're about to make. But all along, you know what God might say. And it would be easier to just make the decision and deal with the problem than to actually stop long enough and bother to ask the Lord, knowing that he may redirect you. It may mean that you're not going to marry that person because they're an unbeliever and the Bible's been clear about it. It may mean that you're living together but you're not married, but you know. And if you ask God, what should we do? What should we do? You're considering in a relationship that is outside of the boundaries of the Bible. You know. You know what God would say. And can I just encourage us, church? You could prevent a lot of problems in your life by bothering to ask God and trust his direction. He's faithful, he's good, and you want his blessing on your life. And so anytime that you surrender a decision to him and say, God, I don't care what my flesh wants. I want what I want, but I'm laying that down and I'm just asking God, show me what's the right decision. What's the next step? What do I do? And you watch as God's hand of blessing reaches out and touches that decision. And some of us will see a lot of problems fall off our life simply because we aligned ourselves with asking God first before we decide. In Joshua, go back and read it one more time, Joshua 9, verses 14 through 15. I just wonder if Joshua might have known what God would say. I don't want to project that on Joshua. So this is just my interpretation. But listen, remember, it's a guy under pressure. He's not looking for extra battles to fight. And it kind of seems like maybe we'll get away with not having to fight this one. And because it seems so good, maybe if I just don't ask God, we're going to have a peace treaty and it's going to be good. But let me say it one more time to us. It says this, Joshua and the other leaders finally believed them. They did not bother to ask the Lord. And they went ahead and they signed a peace treaty and the leaders of Israel ratified the agreement with a binding oath. And very soon, Joshua would be praying. This time not over a decision, but a problem. Over a battle that he was never meant to fight. In fact, the Bible tells us three days later is when he found out they were lying. But then sometime later, the Gibeonites, they call Joseph, uh, Joshua. And they say to Joshua, hey, remember that covenant we made together? Remember that thing you signed and you swore to? Well, now some nations are about to come battle us on our land, which was supposed to be Joshua's land. And now they're coming, and now you've promised, so we need you to gather the Israeli army, come to our land, and fight this battle with us. You have to back us. You have to support us. We are in a treaty together. You know what I love about Joshua? The truth is that he didn't let one wrong decision lead to another wrong decision. Joshua didn't say to the Gibeonites, well, I'm not doing that. You lied. You, you tricked me. You made a decision, or you made me make a decision out of this false information. He does not say any of that. Why? Because he knows. He did not bother to ask. That was the problem. The problem wasn't they lied. The problem was he didn't bother to ask the Lord. The Bible's clear on that. And so now he's in this situation, he's not going to let one wrong decision lead him to another wrong decision. 
And so he knows he has to keep his word. He has to even, the Bible says, keep your word even when it hurts. And he has to keep this word and he has to, he has to defend and back them. And I just want you to know what we learned from Joshua is it's never too late to start praying. And we're going to learn that. In fact, I, I want to share something before I show you the second point. Because I feel like in my prayer time this week, we were, I was just praying and I didn't even know how to fit it in the message. But I want to say it out loud because God showed me some people, some person, somebody would either be watching online or in the room. And the truth is, you keep inquiring of everything but God. 